0: Yeah. Very striking that we, you know, we know that God loves us. We see that in His Word. Mm-hmm. But do we believe that? Yeah. And that's the challenge, isn't it? Because actually, we're confident and assured that that. That's where we live. Yeah. We just heard. Mm-hmm. How do we, how do we assure ourselves of that? Very practically. Great. That's a really good question. How do we assure ourselves of that? Very practically. I think the things we have to do. So, you know, you, you come to a book like One John and. He gets to chapter 5, verse 13, and he says, I write this so that you may know that you have eternal life. I take it then that reading books like 1 John is a really good part of the answer to that question. So, um, you know, I think actually reading the word of God and inhabiting the word of God and, and, and actually saying this has got to be a priority for me in, in terms of how I think about my life as a Christian is to, have, is to learn to be shaped by the word of God and to be shaped by... The message of the gospel. I said, read all of it through the light of the cross. Um, It's got to be a big thing. Say, you know, simple thing to do: go and read one John. Read the cross of Christ. Read King's Cross. Read Scandalous. Those sorts of things that that talk of the gospel. You know, we're hugely forgetful people. Martin Luther talked about it um, as you know, this is the you know this this idea of salvation by grace is is the is the great thing that's at the heart of Christianity, and we constantly have to beat people around the head with it. Okay, so um, Tim, Tim Keller, you know, sort of takes that idea and says, um, I guess his wife actually, he, he came up with this illustration, is it's like, you know those old vending machines, you put a coin in, and the coin kind of works its way down the mechanism, and you kind of keep smacking it on the side, and the coin sort of works its way a little bit further in. And it's finding ways to keep on being reminded and say, I am naturally a forgetful person, I will go away, and I will, by default, I will start to think it's all about me, and it's all about what I do. And I've t- got to tell you, that's, that's the story of my life. Um, and it's... Sometimes being asked to do a weekend like this is the belt around the side of the head that I need. It shoves the coin a little bit further down the mechanism. But um, I, So I don't know what your church's position on liturgy is, and I don't want to kind of create trouble. But one of the, actually one of the great things about being part of something like the Anglican tradition is that the way that we do church is designed to remind you of this. So, you know... Um, and it's more obvious in the Book of Common Prayer, to be truthful, it's more obvious in the Book of Common Prayer than in the modern services. But the shape of the service is the shape of the gospel. And and it draws you in. And we confess our sins as we're confronted with them and then assured of God's forgiveness through the cross. And um, at, at, at every stage, the, you know, the, the idea that we say together and repeat to each other and bang each other around the head week by week by week, this is the gospel. Now, whether you do that by means of, you know, the the sort of liturgy of 1662 or whether actually just by the way that you sing songs and, 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 and praise God together for the cross and you know keep on meeting together to encourage each other and, and, and letting the gospel be the heart of your life together as, as a church then again that's part of beating ourselves sorry it's a horrible metaphor isn't it but you know actually there, there is a sense in which you know we forget and we need a wake up call and God's put us together as a community to, to, to help each other to do that. So I think the, the, the one extra thing I'd add to that is that, I think it's one of the questions I gave the discussion question, is, is you know, how do we, do we live as forgiven sinners rather than as plaster saints? I think it is easy in church to get performance driven, right? So you have a hierarchy of people. You think, these people are really holy and important. And, you know, I've sort of... Um, you know, I have. I, I used to work with um, someone in UCCF who, who said, and I don't know if this is true, ladies, so tell me if it isn't, but as a woman, you walk into a room and you immediately sort of fit yourself into kind of where you fit in terms of attractiveness and, and other kind of things. I think guys do it in other ways. Okay, but there's this sort of, we grade ourselves relative to each other all the time. Okay? We need to learn to stop doing that and to start accepting people on the basis of what Jesus has done and let them accept us on that basis. And so, you know, to, to be kind of, a church that is a church for forgiven sinners and not a church for holy jays. You know, and and that actually comes from the way that we relate to each other. You've just got to stop pretending, guys. That's part of it. Well, I mean, it doesn't mean you sort of, you're open about everything in an unhelpful way because there's all kinds of things I could tell you about my life. It wouldn't be of any use to you today. It just cause you trouble. But um, you, you know what I mean. You know. We're sinners, Right? think we can all agree on that and you know we can we, we need to relate to each other like that and and, and bear each other's burdens in that so that may have been a longer answer than you're hoping for. right so i get to pick another one out of the pile now because i'm assuming i've answered your question um could you highlight any scripture that shows how god not only forgives our sins but changes us so we can address the sinful areas in our lives Um, I want to suggest that that the book of Ephesians is a a classic example of that, uh, that that sort of applies the gospel to to how we live. And I would suggest that, you know, if you want to spend more time thinking about that, then, you know, get stuck in to Ephesians. And one of the interesting things is that um, Paul sees it in very Trinitarian terms. So, you know, we have access to the Father by the Son through the power of the Spirit. And Paul is praying that by the power of... So at the end of chapter 3... Okay, you see him praying that actually people will have the power of the Spirit of God in order to be able to grasp the love of God. And um, I think that's something we can easily forget, is that the way the Gospel will transform me from the inside out is actually by the power of God's Holy Spirit in my, in my heart, making the Gospel real to me. And in that sense, we need to pray in line with the Scriptures that we would really know the gospel. That we would really know the love that God has for us. Because, as I think we, we know, it's actually a very hard thing to get hold of. And so Paul says, let, let me just read it to you. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Okay, so to know the love of Christ fully is is to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Okay, now that is obviously something that is beyond us. And we need God's help with. So, um, there you go. I think that's, that's a, an example of, you know, Paul helping us in, you know, God helping us through Paul in the scriptures to think, how is it that the gospel can transform me? Well, actually, you know, through prayer, by the, by the Spirit's power, it's the gospel. And, um, you know, as the love of God takes root in my heart, that's the thing that's going to transform me. Okay, one from the floor. That's pretty much time. Um, got time have one more for you, if anyone isn't hungry. Okay, can yeah, go answer ahead. Any other question? Yeah. Um, what happens when it, when I mean, I suppose I'm sort of referring to our relationships with others. Yes. Now I mean you're sort of saying about the example of the non-Christian who walks into a restaurant yep. with you know sees loads of people and he says there must be Christians because they're mm-hmm. you know very different. But I suppose. What happens when it all goes wrong? What happens when, you know, relationships within the church go wrong? Perhaps some people sort of, you misuse their power or that sort of thing. hmm And um, I'm, uh, I've experienced that. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to pretend for maybe that it's not real. Uh, so did everyone hear the question? Yeah? Great. Uh, and the reality is that it happened... It happened even in the time of the apostles. So, um, I'm just trying to find it. I think, where is it? Yeah, okay, so the end of Philippians chapter four, verse two. I plead with the and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, loyal Yake fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. So, Paul says, look, you know, there's this conflict in the church, and... Actually, it's conflict, in this case, it's conflict between two loyal Christians who are workers for the gospel. And he says, look, please find a way to sort this out. And please, as a church, will you help them? And the reality is, it, it can only happen through the gospel. It can only happen through the forgiveness that, that flows out of the gospel. Um, and it's really hard. Uh, and, you know, as John says, you know, if anyone says they're without sin, you know, they deceive themselves. The truth is not in them. Um, you know, it will happen. It's going to happen. You know, Christians fall out with each other. And the point isn't, you know, you know how, how can you stop that happening? I mean, that's part of the point, but it's going to happen. What do you do when it does happen? You apply the gospel to it. You find ways to agree in the Lord to um, to actually forgive. Now, of course, there are occasions when what happens is conflict arises not you know, just because of a clash of personalities or something, but because someone actually wanders away from the gospel and starts teaching a false gospel, and that that becomes a different thing. You don't you don't bury that. You don't push that under the carpet. No. You know that there are there are times when there is severe sin, and it gets to the point where, for instance, in in one Timothy chapter one, Paul says, you know, I've handed these people over to Satan that they may, may be taught not to blaspheme. And there is a place for the church together to discipline sinfulness for the sake of of, of people who are you know, really bringing the gospel into disrepute, and also, you know, raising the question of whether they've ever really believed the gospel, and to say we need to treat you as though you're not a Christian, so that you'll see that the thing that you need is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that there are those kind of things that happen as well, but um, but in the end, it's always the gospel that's the answer to it. Whether it's saying, you know, sometimes you need to you get to the point where you need to treat someone as though they're not a Christian. Not part of the church. Why do you do that? Well, so that they might actually come to repentance and come to the knowledge of the gospel, uh, or when it's with someone like Eudians, or as my friend calls them, odious and soon touchy, um, <laughs> and it actually t- to help them and for the church to get together and help them to apply the gospel to themselves and yeah. to their relationship, so that, say so that, you know, um, say so that the peace of Christ can be can be, can be seen. That's a great question. And it's very difficult when you're you're caught in the middle of something like that. It's very grievous. Folks, thanks so much for your time this weekend.